and I'm Jen. I'll be honest with you, I'm feeling a little bit, uh, (laughs) I celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday, you know, we, we did the whole meal yesterday, and, um, I had a few more drinks than I should have, and I'm still, I'm a little bit on the, on the mend at this point, still kind of recovering. Um, but, you know, I hope if you, uh, celebrated Thanksgiving, I hope that you had a really nice Thanksgiving. Um, it's a, you know, it's a nice holiday, good food. Even if you didn't do all the traditional stuff, maybe just like ordered Chinese food. I hope it was great. You don't have to do all that traditional stuff for it to be, uh, you know, Thanksgiving. Um, you know what I find funny is that as far as I understand it, the typical British Christmas day meal is a Thanksgiving meal. I think, I think that they eat turkey. Um, I'd really like to, uh, I feel like I've read that before and I kind of want to get to the bottom of that. So, found a website that appears to be called British-study.com, which is a pretty funny name for a website. We've got top 10 British Christmas foods. Number one is turkey. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, that is funny that turkey is their Christmas meal. Number two, roast potatoes. Now, I love roast potatoes. I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything better, quite frankly. Uh, I would say that with Thanksgiving dinner, I've definitely had roasted potatoes. I would say a more traditional is mashed potatoes, but really any kind of a potato, frankly. Oh, my grandmother used to make, um, what's that, like scalloped potatoes? My sister loves that. Uh, number three, stuffing. Isn't that funny? Like, stuffing is part of it? It, it is. That <laughs> is funny. So we've got, you know, all three are very present on Thanksgiving table. Pigs in a blanket, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe as an appetizer at Thanksgiving, you might have that. Yorkshire pudding, of course, that is not at all American, but I do think that Yorkshire pudding is... I don't know if I've ever had Yorkshire pudding, but it looks fantastic. It looks like something that would really be right up my alley. Uh, Gravy, gotta have gravy. Cranberry sauce. I made my own cranberry sauce this year. And if you've never made it before, it's literally the most easy thing in the world. I had no idea how simple it was. I'm not even clear why people are buying it in a can. I'm not 
I don't understand that. Now, and that is not me judging eating things from a can. I have no judgment. I understand that some people just really like the consistency of the can. Uh, I just, if you aren't hung up on the can, and I know it's a classic. I mean, it is a classic to have the can-shaped cranberry sauce on the table. That is traditional, you know. Uh, but making it yourself, it literally took me 10 minutes. I dumped the cranberries into a pot. I put a cup of water, uh, like a little over half a cup of sugar and a tablespoon of lemon juice. That was it. <laughs> uh, I was very surprised at how easy it was. Brussels sprouts. I love roasted Brussels sprouts. Love them. So good. Christmas pudding. Uh, and I'm always a little bit unclear on, like, how British people use the term pudding. In America, pudding is, it's, um, how do you describe what pudding is? It's a creamy, custardy, gloopy dessert. But I feel that as far as I understand it, pudding is just any dessert in England. I think that's the case. The description they have here is Christmas pudding is a dessert that is made from dried fruit and is normally served with brandy butter. It is also tradition to soak the cake with brandy and set it alight before serving. A Christmas pudding made with figs is referred to as figgy pudding. Oh my gosh. Isn't that funny? Uh, that's an old Christmassy word. <laughs> Although people may serve a number of different desserts at Christmas, Christmas pudding is the most traditional. I mean, let's say that pudding does refer to any dessert. You're basically just saying Christmas dessert is traditional. No shit. And number 10, mince pies. I've had mince pies and they're very good. I, the, the English have a real, they're on to something with the mince pies. Very tasty. So there's really quite a lot of similarities between British Christmas dinner and American Thanksgiving dinner. And I happen to know a couple who are English and American. They live in England. And they do, you know, Thanksgiving. And I have to wonder if it isn't funny to sort of just like a couple of weeks later have a very similar meal. I haven't ever asked them that. If it is funny to <laughs> sort of do it again. I mean, it's not like it's a... A bad meal. Would you be mad about having like a really fantastic roast once a month? No. You know, two times in a year, one month after the other. I guess you would be okay with it, really. Now, one of the funny things uh, that I found at the store, you know, if you've never traveled before, uh, one of the really exciting things about traveling, yes, it is trying different food, of course, but more interestingly is that chip flavors vary so much 
from country to country. It is really wild, actually. And I don't know if, like, the chip flavors of different countries, I don't really know what they tell you about the people. I guess it kind of gives you a good idea of, like, okay, this is what most people like, right? I remember I I lived in England a long time ago for, like, six months, in uh, 2009, I lived there. And I remember at the time that um, I know Walker's Crisps, that's a that's like the main brand, I would say, of chips. I can't remember if it was Walker's, it might have been, but they were doing like a like a contest where people could come up with like new chip flavors. And I recall that one of them was like chicken and waffles. Um, another one, I have this feeling that one of them was like Cajun squirrel, which in some places, you know, in some rural areas of the South in America, people do eat squirrel. Uh, if it's kind of what is available, you know. Uh, but... I think those were, oh, Builder's Breakfast, that was one of them, or Plowman's Breakfast, something like that, and I, 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 because I remember at the time, you know, they spell plow differently in England than they do in America, and I didn't know, like, what a plowman was, I never, I'm, I'm, quite frankly, I'm still not clear on (laughs) saying it, but I, I don't really know what that means, like, somebody who drives a plow I don't know uh so whatever just like a breakfasty chip but it's I have this memory I think the one that won was hoisin duck and at the time I never heard of hoisin not ever in my life and um I was like totally unclear on what that (laughs) meant and now that I know what hoisin tastes like I kind of think that doesn't sound like a good chip it sounds really sweet and um you know they have like other flavors like ketchup flavor you don't find that in America there's no ketchup flavored anything um but ketchup flavored chips are actually not that bad it kind of sounds weird but they're they're pretty tasty it's mild from my experience at least prawn cocktail that was a chip flavor that is very funny you know we don't have anything we don't have like a shrimp flavored chip in america now in uh germany so your typical chip flavors in america my absolute favorite is sour cream and onion. I love literally anything with sour cream and onion. I'm a huge sour cream and onion head. Always have been. Uh, barbecue. That's beloved. Um, things with like a cheddar cheese kind of flavoring. Maybe not chips, but getting into other kind of like, you know, savory, salty snacks. Cheddar cheese is a favorite. Honey mustard gets thrown in there with salty snacks, not chips. Although you do have honey mustard chips, definitely. But, you know, some I, I remember I would see 
other flavors of chips in England that were very like meal oriented. <laughs> I think I had one that was like balsamic vinegar and onion or something that was way too tart almost like like salt and vinegar chips I mean that's a that's a flavor that, of chip that people like in America it's way too I mean it just makes my whole face pucker up when I have those but uh so in Germany um they have a flavor <laughs> called Ungarish, which is basically Hungarian, which is a weird uh, name for a chip, you know, weird chip flavor. It it really tastes very similar to barbecue, though. It's very, it's not exactly barbecue, but it's very similar. So they, that's kind of your, your standard chip is Ungarish. And um, they have they have sour cream and onion Doritos. You can find Doritos, but you have to go to particular stores. And um, for a long time, they called uh, cooler. When I was a kid, it was called Cooler Ranch, and I fucking loved it. It was like get me an IV of Cooler Ranch. I loved Cooler Ranch. Then at some point it just changed to Cool Ranch. I don't know why. And um, in Germany and I think in a lot of places outside of North America, they call it Cool American because ranch is it's such a specific dressing that like nobody else in the world is eating. I'm sure Canadians eat ranch, but it's like, no one else eats ranch. I couldn't even describe what ranch is exactly. I know you can make ranch dressing yourself with like buttermilk or something. Um, but no one else is eating it. <laughs> so the idea of like cool ranch, it doesn't mean anything to people. And um, so they would call it cool American, which I think is the funniest thing ever. And um, I don't know if they stopped carrying it or they they renamed it to sour cream, which is, I mean, ranch is kind of like a sour cream. I know it's different, but I don't know. Maybe they felt like cool American that didn't communicate what it was, you know. Um, But anyway, <laughs> I was at the store doing a little shopping for Thanksgiving. And I saw these chips that were turkey, sage, and onion flavored. And I got them. It was just so perfect that, like, on our Thanksgiving day, they had this, like, Thanksgiving kind of inspired chip at the store. Um, and that was just very funny to me. And that was... um just, you know, just something on my mind, just chips, you know, um, that's kind of where my head is at today is talking about chips. Uh, to be quite honest, I'm just sort of looking at the things that are on my nightstand. Um, and one of the things I I've recently you know, I'm constantly trying to improve my cleaning habits, not in a forceful way, 
not in a way where I'm trying to um, change who I am as a person. I'm just trying to figure out what are the things that really annoy me and how can I uh, take care of it more on a more regular basis. So I recently cleaned off my nightstand to just kind of the essential stuff. And one of the things that I have here is a, it's a spray that my sister got in a FabFitFun box. And it's from a company called This Works. Not a great company name, I'll be honest. It's sort of as a silly company name. But um, the product that she gave me, oh, this is actually a British brand. I didn't even realize that it's made in the UK. Uh, it seems like their main focus is, um, like sleep solutions, like helping people get better sleep. And she got, she got in this, like one of those, like, uh, FabFitFun is one of those boxes where you pick out like a variety of kind of like more expensive things, but you're going to get it at a cheaper rate and they put it into the box and you know, you can try like a new kind of face scrub or something. And this spray is called Sleep Together Calming Spray. And it, I would say it smells like, um, lavender. And, um, I'm looking at the ingredients list and they don't, they don't actually say what the scent is, but, um, you just like spray it onto your pillow and let it dry. And it smells so heavenly. I have like a real a strong kind of connection to the scent of lavender. It's like a very, it's like a very special smell to me. I know that's true for a lot of people, but lavender really like, it's like a smell that just transports me to, <laughs> to a lovely place, you know? And, um, so I have to say that <laughs> at the risk of uttering this silly company name, it, does work I think at least it's nice you know and um I don't know if you're having trouble sleeping maybe look into the this works website and see if they have a they have other kind of like sprays that you can use and it was a lot of sprays I'll be honest <laughs> I would be surprised if they don't all have lavender in them because lavender is like you know, obviously a very well-known kind of calming scent, but I, I, um, I used to teach yoga for a long time. That was my job in, uh, Berlin. I, I was a freelance yoga teacher and I, I finished up my yoga training shortly before I moved to Germany. And, um, when I did my training, I had been doing yoga for quite a few years. By then, I started doing yoga in college, so early 2000s. And the first yoga teacher that I had, she, um, if you've never done yoga before, there's um, a rest period at the end of each class called Shavasana, corpse pose. And you, you know, it's just kind of a meditative relaxation period and sometimes the teacher will go around with like a nice some 
they'll kind of like push on your shoulders, just do stuff to kind of help your body uh, relax a little bit more. And the teacher, she would put this like lavender, probably like an ascent. I don't know. Can you put essential oils on your skin? I don't really think you're supposed to, despite what the essential oil people say. But anyway, it was some kind of a, a spray or a lavender scented. <laughs> I don't know why I'm struggling so much. Just like she put something lavender scented on her hands. And she would come around and like the scent of lavender would like fill my nose. And it was just. You know, I had never, you know, it was my first kind of time with yoga. I really fell in love with it. And I don't know that I had ever really meditated before. I had never done any of that before this kind of um, just exploring like something that kind of enlightens you and gives you a different outlet for your stress or whatever. And, um, so I really, that smell, it just, it was so relaxing. I don't know if in my life up until that point I had ever experienced kind of intentionally relaxing like that, which is funny to say now. I never thought about that before that that's why the scent of lavender is so like, uh, potent for me. Those memories are so the memories that it sort of conjures are so strong for me is because uh, it's really this experience of like intentionally just chilling out. And um, I guess I kind of take that for granted now because I've done that for so long. I don't, you know, it's I don't do as much yoga these days as I quote unquote should. You know, I can't be perfect at every moment of my life, you know. I think partly because I take it for granted, you know, it's so much a part of who I am that I kind of think I can just always go back to it whenever I want. I do do like stretching pretty much every day, mostly because I need to. I mean, and I know a lot of people don't stretch ever, but I, you know, well, I have a very physical job, so I really have to kind of stretch at least a bit every day. And, um, (laughs) I don't know, it's, uh, I don't, I probably don't give myself enough of that time anymore to intentionally relax, you know, to really put in the effort to relax. And, um, I'd probably really benefit from it if I did, frankly. Um, so now... You know, the Christmas uh, season is upon us. The Hanukkah season is upon us. Uh, Kwanzaa. Although I have to say that, as far as I understand it, Kwanzaa is not celebrated quite as much as it was in the past. Not that that makes it less important, of course. Um... But I don't know that I've ever met somebody who celebrates Kwanzaa. Um, And I had read once that part of the reason is because back in the 60s when 
Kwanzaa was developed by the doctor whose name by a, a doctor whose name is completely eluding me. <clears throat> I'm gonna look it up. Um, who invented Kwanzaa? Uh, oh god American Maulana Karenga created Kwanzaa in 1996 during the aftermath of the Watts riots as a specifically uh, African American holiday I that name I guess I kind of thought that would stick in my head a little bit more uh, Maulana Karanga, born Ronald McKinley Everett, still alive. I'm sure that he celebrates Kwanzaa, I would guess. Um, I had read once, though, that um, back in the 60s when it was developed, you know, there, I don't know that there was something like African-American studies. You know, there was just less kind of education. Uh, about what it meant to be African American, what that experience was like, and and um, I don't know, you know, I think it was a way for um, African American people to connect with their own heritage in a in a special way, and now you you, you know people can access that kind of information and they can um, just feel a lot more connection to celebrating their their culture and their heritage. Um, they, I, I've read that, you know, whatever. I'm certainly not an expert by any means. But I do think, you know, when I was growing up, they really uh, tried to communicate that Obviously, like, the Western world is very, like, it's very Christmas-focused. It's very Christmas-heavy. And um, so there was really this kind of idea of trying to incorporate, you know, acknowledge that, like, other holidays happen. Now, Hanukkah doesn't always happen in December. It, it you know, it shifts around a lot. This year it's happening... Um, in like two weeks, I think. So like kind of mid-December. And um, and a couple of years ago, Hanukkah, like one of the nights of Hanukkah, Hanukkah is eight nights long. One of the nights of Hanukkah fell on Thanksgiving. And uh, that was like a really big deal because it only was going to happen, you know, like almost never, you know. So that was like a really big uh holiday that might have been like 2014 or something that that happened and um and sometimes ramadan uh kind of lines up with december you know that that one shifts around too it's based on like the the moon cycle lunar cycle lunar calendar um but this year i think it's happening or for 2021 it's happening in April, I think. And, um, why was I talking about that? Oh, you know, I, I, <laughs> over the years, I've 
kind of become more into celebrating holidays. I'm not the kind of person who goes like totally crazy with Christmas, but I do, I have like particular traditions that I really love to go back to every year. So I've been, you know, I have kind of like a set list of movies that I have to watch. That's a big part of it for me is watching particular movies. And, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's mainly about the movies, I have to tell you. And it's kind of like, I've watched some of these movies, most of them, I've watched them my whole life. And it's kind of to the point where, like, I couldn't even tell you if they're actually good movies. I have no kind of objective way to look at them. Um, because they're just so much, you know, like you just, I've heard like the particular lines from those movies my whole life to the point where, does this ever happen to you guys? Like if you know some movie that you've watched your whole life, you know, and the way that the actor says the line, uh, whatever line, there there are things that as a kid I didn't really like understand what they were saying, but that's hard to explain. Um, I have to think for a moment. It's like the line <laughs> I can't explain it because I'm not even sure what it is. There are particular ways that actors say certain lines and if it had like a word or a reference that I didn't understand I kind of just had to go off of like the sound but what does that mean why am I telling you that I don't I don't really know it's <laughs> what am I trying to say that the lines are sort of so ingrained in my brain that only now as an adult, I'll watch them, I'll watch those movies and a reference will suddenly have, oh, that's what I'm trying to say is like a, a line that I've heard a thousand times and it, it has a very particular sound to it. Like I'll only truly hear it like now, you know, I'll actually hear what they're saying and it's not just kind of the sounds that is a that's a weird thing to try and explain I, I don't really know if I'm explaining that right <laughs> my brain's a little bit fried today um uh and in germany they're not really as into the christmas movie thing it's not as like big of a deal here they do have two movies that um you know, not everybody watches it, but um, they are very beloved. So one of them is Drei Haselnüsse für Aschenbrüder, which is three hazelnuts for, like, it's it's basically Cinderella. But the movie, it's very, like, it was very popular in East Germany. And, um... It's kind of this, like, I guess you would say it's like a low-budget movie that was made in Czechoslovakia. And uh, they dub it over in, I guess it is probably in Czech, but it's been dubbed over in German for the German audience. 
And it's it doesn't even have to do with Christmas. It's just like a wintry movie. It takes place in winter, so people like it because it's got, you know, really sets the scene and it just has a very kind of particular like 1970s uh, uh, behind the iron curtain look to it. And it has this really cool kind of um theme song to it. Uh, that this French DJ made into like a techno. He like remixed it into a techno song and it's a great song. Even if you don't know um, then <laughs> you, you would still like it. It's a cool like boppy song. And um, another one that they like to watch is Sissy, Sissy, Sissy. And um that stars Romy Schneider, who is probably one of the more famous older German actresses who I believe committed suicide. I think she committed suicide because uh, her son died. I, I think I might be a little wrong on that. And Romy Schneider was in, an, I've never seen Sissy. I've seen parts of Drei Hasselnüsse. And um, Romy Schneider was in another movie, I want to say it's from the 50s or the 60s, and it's called Mädchen in Uniform, Girls in Uniform, and it basically is a lesbian love movie, love story. <laughs> love. <laughs> well, that's, that just sounds like porn, doesn't it? A lesbian love movie. Uh, it's basically a lesbian love story about these, like, it's a girls like private school, like a boarding school. And I believe I saw it years ago when I was like kind of trying to get into German culture and they had it at this video store, you know, <laughs> this was in the year, you know, like in the 2010s or whatever. And there was this video store in this town that I was living in at the time in America. And uh, they had it. And it was good. It was, you know, I mean, there's nothing, there's no sex in it, you know. But um, the a student falls in love with a teacher, both, you know, they're women. And it, it's not like they say, like, oh, she's a lesbian. They're lesbians. It's It's all just sort of like, it's sort of alluded in this way that she's in love with her they're in love with each other I can't remember if the love is reciprocated but they they just it's kind of just like oh women these two women got really close you know I guess there of course there is something inappropriate going on because I'm I'm pretty sure that she falls in love with her teacher so there is like a you know that that part didn't really age that well <laughs> but again like back then I think that they would have turned more of an eye to it where it's kind of like oh well, women are just like they just are more close with each other and I don't think they would have thought that that was as inappropriate like obviously being a gay woman in 1950s anywhere like probably in Germany too was like you were like perverted like that was a you know that was perverse but I think that women have tended to get more of a 
whatever in like Western culture, like women are allowed to have a more touchy feely relationship with their friends and it's not viewed as weird or gay. <laughs> um, but I, 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 as far as I understand it, Mädchen in Uniform is a very beloved movie in the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, and like some other traditions here at Christmas time, they have Christmas markets. That's really common. They have them everywhere. And obviously this year it's a little more tricky. It's basically like a fair. Like if you grew up going to like a, a fair, it's just these stands that have cute stuff. Absolutely like very cute, like toys, like wooden toys and decorations and some of it is handmade. Some of it is probably just like crap from China, you know, that they're reselling. Um, they have like lots of good food that they're making, a lot of sausages, obviously. And, um, and at least in the town that we live in, I, we don't live in the center of town. We live in like the suburbs outside of the town center. But uh, I went into town like two weeks ago and they had stands up. So it's kind of confusing because things are definitely on lockdown here in in Germany. But they're still like having Christmas market. You know, like in, in Nuremberg is where the really big Christmas market is. They call it the Christkind Mark. Uh, Christkind. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. So Santa does not bring toys to the kids for Christmas. The, the Christ child does. And it's not Jesus. It's just like an angel. You can't you you can try and pin down details from people. They really can't give you details. Everybody's a little bit unclear on what is actually going on. They call it the Christ child. It's not the Christ child. It's an angel. And it's kind of like they have a neutral uh, um, article for it. It's a neutral word. So I, I think most people think the angel is a girl. But it's a little bit like unclear, you know. And um they don't call Santa Claus Sinterklaus. They call him the Weihnachtsmann, the Christmas man. <laughs> and they call him Saint Nick, Saint Nicholas. So on December 6th, that is Nicholas Day. That's like, like, it's common in Europe, like Catholic places in Europe that, um, there are like name days for various Catholic saints. And I don't know anybody who's really like into their name day, but whatever, like on the day, a lot of, if you're named after a saint, like a Catholic saint, you have a name day and the 6th of December is Nicholas day. And that's when St. Nick, like he comes to visit the kids and the kids leave their shoes out by the door and he'll put like toys, little toys or like nuts and oranges <laughs> into it. 
I think probably some parents go a little over the top and they'll get the kids like a serious present for Nicholas Day. And, um, but like nuts and oranges is like a really traditional thing to give. My mother-in-law just gave us a bag of chocolate and nuts and oranges. (laughs) And, um, and what? Oh, yeah, and, uh, well, okay, they don't open presents on Christmas Day here. They open them on Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve is, like, it's a normal working day. I think most people do, like, a half day, typically, because you go home and you, like, have dinner and all that. And, um, and, uh, you know, for Americans that is, like, speaking of things that are perverse, like, not having Christmas morning be this like insane moment, this like frenzy of opening presents, that is sick. <laughs> but what my husband has said is because they open the presents on Christmas Eve, uh, probably after you go to church, I would guess, come home. And he has said, actually, it's like it's terrible because you have to wait the entire day knowing that at the end of the day you're going to get to open the present so I can I can understand I can understand it but it's kind of like Christmas day comes and it's like there's nothing going on you've opened all your presents you know it's like you have a big meal you see your family get more presents from your family I'm sure but um and what I've heard from other you know whatever my husband and my ex-boyfriend who is also German and just like other Germans I've talked to like the parents will be like okay like you have to go upstairs because the Christkind is gonna come and they just like close the living a lot of rooms in Germany have doors they're very like door oriented here whereas American homes tend to be a lot more like open there's not like doors between the kitchen and the bedrooms and all that they're very like door heavy here so they like shoo the kids out, go to go to your rooms, close the living room door, and they'll put the presents out and then they'll be like, Okay, like the Chris Kin just left. <laughs> it's very like I don't know, it seems so obvious to me, you know? At least with like Santa, there's a little bit of mystery going on. It just seems so clear to me that it's the you know what I mean like if you were a kid wouldn't you be like like well why why do my parents have like special privy to like seeing the Chris kid and I don't you know um and what other traditions are there at Christmas time um well like for New Year's they call New Year's Sylvester I think that also has to do with a saint, like a Saint Sylvester. I'm not really sure. I, I think that that is it, but they call it Sylvester. They set off fireworks, which are typically illegal, but for New Year's specifically, they like, you know, lift the ban on fireworks. And like fireworks are like literally everywhere. You get them at like bodegas and anywhere that you want to get a firework, they're they're selling them. And... um <laughs> The traditional thing is to watch this. 
it's like a 20 minute movie called dinner for one it's a black and white movie it's a little play it's probably from the 60s and it's this old woman and her butler and um it's a very kind of like repetitive um play where (laughs) this woman it has nothing to do with new year's not one god blessed thing to do with new year's it's just this woman who has a, a birthday dinner and she used to have these like four guy friends who would come to her dinner and they've all died but she still celebrates her birthday as if they're alive so the places get set and the butler has to for each kind of course that they're eating they have a different drink and the butler has to serve the drinks to each spot as if the guys are still alive but then he also has to drink it himself so he basically it gets like he gets like he's stumbling around because he's getting drunker and drunker and she's just like having you know one drink with each course and um it is kind of funny but the the um the the repeating line is the butler saying the same procedure as last year miss something i can't think of her name and she says the same procedure as every year and that becomes like this like repeating line and until he's like he's tripping over things and you know it's a little bit slapsticky and at the end <laughs> you know he's co- totally blamoed and she gets up and he I don't, I haven't, I haven't watched it since last year. I can't quite remember, but they start to go upstairs, which is like on this, like, you know, just a play stage, theater stage, and just like fake staircase. They start going up the stairs and he says the same procedure as last year. And she says the same procedure as every year. And I, as far as I understand it, I did not get this the first couple of times I watched it. The implication is that they're going to have sex. (laughs) And I guess she was like having sex with all these guys on her birthday. I don't. It's. (laughs) But none of it feels like super weird. It is kind of a funny movie, I have to say. So that's a really big tradition here. They play it on TV. You have to watch Dinner for One. But I've met a lot of Germans who have never watched it. Um, And. Yeah, so I don't know. This turned into some sort of like a cultural education here. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. You know, I feel like I've I've talked I've talked your ear off enough at this point, right? Um, thanks for listening. I I wouldn't be here if it weren't for you. Uh hope that you have a great Sunday or whatever day you're listening to this on I hope you're having a great day uh talk to you later bye